First Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. So he, referring to this great prophet Elijah that we're going to look at today, departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphah who, were, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah. And ministered unto him. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the second mantle. The second mantle. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The verses that precede our text tell the story of a prophet that was burned out. He was burned out. He was bummed out. He was just tired. He was tired and sick and sick and tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired. He even asked God to take his life. He took his mantle, the verses say preceding our text, and wrapped his face, his anointing, that mantle, he wrapped his face in it and hid in a cave. He didn't want to see anybody anymore. He was tired. He was tired of being on the run from Queen Jezebel. He was tired of trying to get the children of Israel to live right. They kept drifting back to Baal worship. He's just weary and was ready to quit. He expresses himself with these very poignant words in verse 14. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Sometimes it's easy to get weary in your well-doing. It's easy to get tired trying to do the right thing and make the right choices and be the right example and do what's right. You start to feel like you're the only one trying to do right. Sometimes you feel like there's nobody else trying to do right but you. I remember when I was a young person going to O'Galley High School I remember coming home one day and telling my parents out of a school of, I don't know how many people are there, 2,000 students or whatever. I said, I'm the only one trying to serve God. And I'm sure that I wasn't the only one. But sometimes you feel that way. Man, I'm the only one trying to do right. I'm the only one that prays. I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that's trying to stand for righteousness. I'm tired of being the only guy. Now, y'all are much more spiritual than me, and I'm sure you've never had any feelings like that. But if we were to be honest, we've all had feelings where we felt that we were just tired of trying to do the right thing and being all by ourselves. But you better understand something this morning according to the principles of God's Word. You may feel like you're the only one, but you're not the only one. I like the song they were singing this morning. 
You may feel like you're surrounded, but actually you're surrounded by him and his people. And don't ever forget that there is an army out there of unsung heroes. People that you won't hear about on the news, people that they're not going to put on CNN or put in the New York Times. But this country, this world is full of God-fearing people that get up every day and go to work and obey the law. And they go to work and feed their families. And on Sunday, they get their family together and they go to houses of worship all over this country. You're not the only one. We're not the only ones. So many times people suffer in silence because they say, we don't, have, we don't want to bother anybody. But I felt an unction in the spirit today to tell you, don't suffer in silence. God made you a part of a body of believers for a purpose. You ought to get a prayer partner. You ought to get a worship partner. You ought to get somebody somewhere in this church to say, hey, come on, let's bind together. You're not by yourself. You don't have to die. You can be surrounded by God's people. This is pretty much the message that the Lord gives Elijah. You're not alone. The Lord tells him in verse 18, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Oh, my goodness. I want you to think about that for a moment. All of the people that you and I may never even meet. We think, well, everybody's going this way or everybody's going that way. You have no idea all around this world and every civilization, every hamlet, every culture, every tongue, every tribe, there are people, hallelujah, that declare the name of Jesus, that lift up the name of Jesus in their language. They get up, they declare the name of Jesus. They gather their family together and what they may have is only a portion of the word of God, but they believe it and they teach it and they live it. We're not alone. The Lord tells Elijah, go get some help. In other words, you're trying to do this all by yourself. Go anoint Jehu to be king and Elisha to be prophet. You've been trying to do this all by yourself. You've got to get some people around you. Don't try to be a spiritual superman. Get connected with godly people. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the fellowship that we have at First Pentecostal Church. I'm thankful that we've got a body of believers. Hallelujah. People that will stand with you. People that will help you pray. You say, man, I'm suffering, I'm hurting, I'm wishing that God would save my child. Well, guess what? Don't try to shoulder that burden all by yourself. Get people around you that will help you pray. The Bible said where two or three are gathered together, if two or three will agree together, that's touching any one thing they can ask in his name, and it shall be done. The devil wants to make you feel isolated. He wants, you to, cut, he wants to cut you out of the herd and make you feel like you're not a part. I've come to tell you, that's a lie from hell. You're still God's man. You're still God's woman and God's got his hand upon you. So Elijah finds Elisha who's running a team of oxen, 12. He's even driving one of the teams of oxen himself. Suffice it to say that Elisha is not afraid to work. Elijah goes by him and just throws his mail. I mean, you imagine this guy, he just walks by and just takes his mail and just throws it at him. The Bible doesn't even record that he said anything to him. He just throws it out there. I mean, he just puts it on him, throws it on him. The Bible said he cast it on him. And Elisha must have known what it meant because he put the parking brake on those team of oxen. He runs after Elijah and he says, wait, wait, 
Let me go and say goodbye to my family, and then I'll follow you. And Elisha goes back and kills a couple of oxen, and then uses the yoke and the apparatus for the team of oxen that he's just slain to build the fire. Builds a fire and starts cooking these two oxen. Makes a feast for everybody. I don't know how many people two oxen will feed, but that's a whole bunch of folk. We were talking in Guatemala about the crusade next year, and we were talking about how we get more people there. And I said, what if we feed them all? That works in America. That works all around the world. Feed them and they will come. So they said, well, how many do we have? Well, if we have 4,000 people, the missionary, the guy that grew up there, Noe, go on, I told you his testimony. He said, well, he said, we could probably feed 4,000. He said, we'd have to get four cows. I said, four cows? I've never quite thought of it like that. He said, we got four cows. We could feed 4,000 people. I said, you're telling me that a cow will feed a thousand people? He said, oh, easily. Man, two oxen, two thousand, that's a whole bunch of folk. I mean, he didn't kill one, he killed both of them. And slew them on the altar, burnt the whole harness, burnt the yoke, made the fire. You know what, you know what Elisha was saying? I'm burning all my bridges. I make up my mind. I'm going to follow Elijah, and I'm not going back. Whoa, I just felt something climb up on me again. Can I tell you, after being raised in a Pentecostal church, I'm 55 and a half years old right now. Can I tell you, after seeing people get saved and leave and come and go back and forth, my father pastored before me, and before we were here, we were in the panhandle of Florida. Can I tell you what I've seen all my life, being an evangelist and being involved in missions and ministries and all so forth? Can I tell you what I've seen over 55 years? The people that make it, the people that stick, the people that have this the word, this gospel, this truth down in their heart are people that when they came to the Lord, they were all in. They sold out everything. They gave it all. They didn't try to get God to adjust to their lifestyle. They got new friends. They got a new way of walking. They got a new way of talking. They got a new way of dressing. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Our motto as a church is all Jesus, all nations, all in. There's nothing more important than all in. you got to make up in your mind when you come to the Lord. I'm giving it everything. I'm going to put it all on the altar. i got no other options. I'm not looking for another way out. I'm giving everything to him. That's the only way you're going to make it. You can't serve God halfway and be successful. You can't leave doors open to return. You got to leave your former life and follow Jesus. That's why he told those disciples, the Lord Jesus said, "Drop your nets, come on, follow me. Burn the yoke. Slay the oxen. I am fully committed." It's those that fully commit that God can use. As long as you try to serve God out there on the peripheral, you're always in danger of being plucked off. By the enemy that goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Elisha was saying, I need, I need just a, a little bit. But when I commit, I'm going to give it everything I got. So he does. Puts everything into it. 
decides to follow Elijah. That mantle begins to be his helper. He serves him. The mantle that Elijah put on Elisha was a mantle of service. There was no promise of the supernatural. There was no promise of a promotion. For all Elisha knew, this was his calling. This was his destiny to serve. What you gonna be, Elisha? I'm being it. What you gonna do? I'm doing it. I'm wearing the mantle of faithfulness. I was called to be a servant. I'm going to be a servant. We were down in uh, Guatemala. Mark Dross, who was uh, raised as a, as a uh, son of a missionary, his, his father, Windross, very successful missionary, raised strong works in El Salvador, Guatemala, and now Mexico as the superintendent of the work in Mexico now. But when he was in Guatemala, his son, he's got uh, several sons, but his son, Mark Dross, uh, who speaks Spanish and mightily used of God, is going to be with us in November he was with us as a part of this Guatemalan crusade, and he grew up in Guatemala. And he was telling us, he said, when I was 14 years old, he said, I came in and announced to my father that I was ready to be pastor. He said, Dad, I want to be pastor. And his father said, wonderful, follow me. And he said, I took off following him. We walked right into the church, walked right down the center aisle. He thought, ooh. Oh, man, this is going to be cool. This is going to be some kind of coronation that they do like when they make a new king. You know, he said he's going, to, he's going to do some kind of knighting or something. And he's going to pray a blessing on me, give me a Bible or something, make it all real official. He said, we walked right down the center aisle. He said, we got right down to the altar area. And he said, instead of stopping, my dad just hung right and just kept going right on around. Went all the way around the platform. Went all the way around into the back, into the bathrooms. And he said, my dad handed me a plunger. And he said, I'm holding this plunger. And he said, my dad looked at me and said, Mark, from this day forward, you are in charge of the bathrooms. You will be in charge of making sure that they work. You will be in charge of them being clean. You will be their pastor. This is your responsibility. And Mark said, I'm standing there with a plunger thinking, this is not what I was thinking of. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? You don't get the mantle of the supernatural until you have the mantle of service. I'm sure that's not what Brother Dross was expecting, but he's mightily used of God now because he wore that first mantle. God gave him the second mantle. I'm sure this is not really what Elisha was thinking, but he served him. He waited on him. He made sure that he had everything that he needed. And along the way, he learned some things. He probably learned some lessons he never thought he would learn. I'm sure he had some scars. I'm sure there was a lot of battles along the way. But Elisha is still there. When Elijah gets to the end of his life, and it's obvious he's not going to be around long, he starts to try to get Elisha to stay here, stay at Bethel, stay at Jericho, stay here. And Elisha says, no, I'm going to just keep following you. When I signed on to wear this mantle, I made up my mind I'm going to stay with you. 
and nothing's going to separate you from me. You are my spiritual father. And I'm going to stick right by your side until you are taken away. So they go through Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho and they travel. And Elisha won't leave him. And finally, the sons of the prophets that were quite jealous of Elisha. They all thought they should have that position, not Elisha. Why's he got it? Because his name sounds like Elijah? He's not qualified. Who's his dad? He don't have the pedigree. He ought not to be used like he's being used. Everybody wants the second mantle, but nobody wants the first mantle. I've come to tell you today, you don't get the second mantle without the first mantle. Everybody wants a word, but nobody wants to do the work. Everybody wants the fire, but nobody wants the fight. Everybody wants what God's going to give in the outpouring of his spirit. But it's a faithful man or woman that makes up in his mind, I can wear the mantle of faithfulness. Those are the ones that God pours out his spirit upon. These 50 sons of the prophet, they just want to stand and observe from afar off. When things get good, they'll come around, but when the lights dim, they disappear. They get up to that Jordan River, and Elijah takes a mantle and strikes it, and the Jordan River opens up, and they go over, but 50 sons of the prophet, they can't, they can't go over. They stand, the Bible says, to view afar off. They keep saying to Elijah, you know your master's going to be taken from you today. You know your master's going to be taken from you today. They say it in the scriptures that I read at least three times. You know your master's going to be gone. You're not going to be able to ride his shirt tails anymore. Let me just put it in today's vernacular for you so you understand. You, you, you know you're not going to be able to use the prophet as your meal ticket anymore. He's going to be gone. And basically, you're going to be nothing. Oh, they smiled. They shook hands with him when they said it. How are you doing, Brother Elisha? You know your master's going to be taken from you today. You know what Elisha said? I know it. Hold ye your peace. Let me put it in today's vernacular for you. Shut your pothole. This Bible's made up of a bunch of mamsy pamsy political correct people. All of you have been too acclimated to this climate and the culture that we're in. I'm gonna tell you what, there were some bad dudes back then. If you're gonna serve God, you got to get something in your heart that said, I'm gonna serve God. If every one of my friends make fun of me, I could care less. Hold ye your peace. Your friends say, how come you're still going to church? You lost your job. You lost your wife. You lost your daughter. You lost your son. You ought to say, guess what? I still got my God and Savior. And when it's all said and done, he is faithful. He's going to be gone. When he's gone, you're going to be nothing. They came to Jordan River. They walk over, all those naysayers over there on the other side of the river. Finally, Elijah says to Elijah, what do you want me to do? What, what, what can I do for you? What can I give you? Elijah says, I want a double portion of your spirit. 
a double portion of your spirit, whatever it was that made you be used of God, I want twice that. And then that little greedy? No, because he's got all them 50 sons of the prophet over there on the other side of Jordan waiting and watching. I'm going to need double what you had. Now you think about this. He's been waiting on Elijah for years. He knew the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knew the frailty of the flesh. He knew the humanity that Elijah struggled with. You say, oh, but he was used to God. But the Bible records how he got depressed just like the rest of us. Hid in the cave and said, I ain't coming out. Not going to do it. Tired of all this. He was a man. He wore flesh like the rest of us. But Elisha was able to wait on him and still keep respect. He knew all the ugly stuff, but he wanted the spirit that Elijah had. I don't have to be Elijah. I'm Elisha. But the God that anointed you, I want a double portion of that anointing. I'm thankful for young people that's got a desire in their heart to have more of God than ever before. You're not getting greedy when you say, God, I want a double portion. I'm thankful for what my parents raised. I'm thankful for the church. But God, I want to go to the next level. I'm hungry for a move of God. I'm thirsty. I'm going to tell you what. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, or somebody that'll say, God, I want more of you. I don't want just the status quo. I don't want to just go through the motions. Now, this is interesting because he doesn't ask for a position. He doesn't ask for a mantle. He just asks for a double portion of the Spirit of God. There's something about that humble request that communicates a person's heart for God. God cannot turn them away. So a chariot of fire swoops down and picks up Elijah, carries him off. And Elisha's just standing there, no doubt shielding his eyes from this flame of fire. And I'm sure he was filled with mixed emotions as he watches his spiritual mentor disappear into the clouds. But then he sees something that's fallen down out of the fire. Sees it come down, realizes mantle. Mantle. He hadn't asked for the mantle. He'd already carried that mantle of service that Elijah had cast on him. This mantle is different. The first mantle came from the hand of man. The second mantle comes from the hand of God. I feel like I got a word for somebody right now. Some of you have been doing all that you can do with the hand of man, but God said you've done enough on your own. Now you need to turn it over to me and let the second mantle fall on. Sometimes, folks, you do all that you can do, but then you got to put it in the Lord's hands and say, God, I've given this over to you. Elisha walks down to the Jordan River where the 50 sons of the prophets are watching. They're not fans of him. All eyes are upon him as he takes the mantle and smites the Jordan River and the waters roll back, and the sons of the prophets cannot deny it. Bible doesn't even record to say anything. They just sort of mosey down. Like, had to find some way to save face. Oh, yeah, they still had some issues. 
But over time, they realized the second mantle has fallen. You see, what's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, about the first mantle and the second mantle is that after the first mantle fell on Elisha, God was watching. When the second mantle fell, the people were watching. If I could speak to our children and our young people for just a moment, there's a reason why the Bible says, remember the Lord in the days of your youth. Because from the moment you were born, God is looking for who he can use. You've been given the first mantle. You've been given a human spirit. But there comes a second mantle of the Holy Spirit. And God is looking for somebody that's got a heart for the things of God. Somebody that'll say, hey, I'm going to burn all my oxen. I'm going to cast everything, all my lots. I'm putting this all. I'm going to sink or swim based on God's word, based on the things of God, the house of God, the people of God, the place of God. you got to make up in your mind. And if you do, ladies and gentlemen, it's God that watches. Because when God anoints you, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So he gives it, but he watches before. And guess what? After that anointing comes, then man begins to watch. And man begins to realize the proof is in the pudding. Your spirit, your life begins to bear fruit. And nobody can deny it. Because you've got the second mantle that is upon you. The first mantle was thrown on him. The second fell on him. Just like when the fire of Pentecost fell on him in the book of Acts. They had walked with God. They'd been through some tough times. They had carried the mantle of service. The Lord had taught them through foot washing and all of this. The service, they'd seen the miraculous. But there came a time when it was time for them to get their own mantle of the supernatural. And they gathered together in the upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That was the second mantle. That was the mantle of the supernatural that was falling. And it's still falling today. It's the combination of the two that made Elisha the prophet that he is. The hand of Elijah, his mentor, and the hand of God. Elisha never gets the second mantle, the mantle of the supernatural, without being willing to carry that first mantle, the mantle of service. Everybody wants the second mantle. Nobody wants the first mantle. Everybody wants the supernatural, but they want the supernatural without the sacrifice but ladies and gentlemen the second mantle is dependent on what you're doing with the first mantle everybody wants the holy spirit but nobody wants the holy walk i can tell you this though god will do his part if you will do your part I said, God will do his part if you'll do your part. 
God, I don't know why you don't just come down and resolve this. I don't know why you don't just drop that second man. I don't know why you just don't lift up your mighty hand of power. Your God Almighty, heaven is your throne, earth is your foot. So you sit upon the circle of the earth. You can do anything you want to do. Why don't you just solve this problem? But it's too much for us to come to two services on Sunday. It's too much for us to come on an off night to go to a prayer meeting. Whew, I know I need to pray every day, but man, I just love having that extra 30 minutes of sleep. You got to wear the first mantle before you get the second mantle. I said, you got to wear the first mantle. There was a time when the disciples asked Jesus, how come you prayed and man was healed when we prayed nothing happened? You know what the Lord said to him? These things cometh not but by prayer and fasting. How'd you like to be rebuked by the Lord like that in front of all your peers? These things cometh not but by prayer and fasting. In other words, you had been doing the first two. The supernatural doesn't happen without the first two. Everybody comes in, we just felt the presence of God in such a powerful way while these singers and musicians were singing. This didn't just happen. You don't just like pull the second mantle out like some sort of a hat, a rabbit out of a magic hat. That's not the way it works. You know why people come in this house and feel the presence of God? Because for over 50 years, there's been faithful people that have wore the mantle of service. You know why we have a paid-off nice air-conditioned building? Because for over 50 years, people have been faithful and given tithes and offering and sacrifices of their own personal income. You know why you feel the presence of God in this house today? Because people gather in the multi-purpose room before you got here and were praying. Musicians were praying. Singers were praying. People were folding the bulletin. People were driving vans. You know why? That's the first mantle. And we come in and we get to enjoy the beauty of the second mantle. The supernatural. We get the splashover effect. But I feared we raise a generation that thinks the second mantle will fall without the first mantle. I come to tell you today, you got to have the first mantle before you get the second mantle. This is the reason why the Bible says faith without works is dead. Not just naming and claiming. It's not just easy believism. It's not just snapping your fingers and wanting God to respond to you like your own personal butler. It's about developing a relationship with you. It's about calling out to God when you don't know where else to go. And you don't know who to turn to. And you're like, God, I need your help. But can I tell you today, there is a positive side to this. If you've been faithful to God and you need a supernatural touch of Him, you can say, God, I've been faithful to you. I have followed you. I've raised my family in the fear of God. I've brought them to church. I've done all I know to do. I need that second mantle to fall. You can call out to God in the midnight hour because you got a life that backs it up. Every time you give it, record is kept in heaven. Every time you came to church when you could have been somewhere else, there's a record that is kept in heaven. Every time you went to God in prayer when you didn't feel like it, there is a record in heaven. That's the first mantle. When you get that first mantle, 
That's you doing your part. You can say, now God, I need you to do your part. That's why the angel of the Lord directs the servants of Cornelius to go find Peter. Don't you think God and all the angelic host could have told Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 how to be saved without them having to go and send servants and go down to Joppa and knock on the door and another servant and Peter's on the rooftop sleeping, napping? God's working on both sides of the equation. He works on both sides of the mountain. He's already been working on Peter. Peter, you're going to have to deal with your prejudice issue. Better realize that other people besides just Jews can get saved. This is not your show. This is God's show. Oh. Why did God do that? His prayers had gone up. The Bible says in Acts 10, the Cornelius' prayers, he was a Roman centurion. They had gone up before the Lord as a memorial. Heaven had kept a record of it. The first mantle, he had been faithful in alms. And said, it goes, you go through his lifestyle. The first mantle had been worn. But then he sends him over to Peter. Mm. I want you to find Peter. Let Peter come and bring to you the word. Why is it that after this tremendous conversion experience where the Lord knocks Paul off his high horse on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, why does, when he's blinded of his natural vision, he says, go and find Bar- Barnabas and have Barnabas pray for you? God, if you blinded me, you can restore my vision? Why do I got to go and find Barnabas? Let me tell you why. Because the supernatural is predicated upon the natural. The anointing is predicated upon obedience. You can get that principle in your heart today. Your entire life with God is going to make sense. You do your part, then God does his part. You want the favor of God in your life, you got to knock. Knock and it shall be opened. We come to the door, we want it to just open like we're in a public supermarket. That's not how it's going to happen. you got to go up to the door and knock. Ask and you'll find. Seek and you'll find. Ask and it'll be given. You do your part, then God does his part. And when you do your part, this now opens the door for the second mantle to fall. Let me just conclude with telling you about how this relates to us in our individual lives. It doesn't matter if it's a healing in your body or a prayer being answered. It's this principle that's in play. Whenever you make up in your mind, God, I've been trying to do it my way. But I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to commit myself to the things of God. I'm going to wear that first mantle so that the second mantle will fall. If not, we're just like the other guys on the other side of the river, watching it happen, but never feeling that supernatural power in our own lives. We see it, but we don't experience it. It's simply because the favor of God requires the faithfulness of man 
I want to be saved. And if you want to be saved, we have got to come to an altar just like Elisha did. And you've got to kill the old man, the old will, and offer a sacrifice and burn the yoke and say, God, I want you to take my heart. I want you to take my hands. I want you to take my mind. I'm going to pick up this mantle of commitment. I'm going to pick up the mantle of service. And I'm going to make up in my mind, if I'm the last man standing, I'm going to serve God. If everybody else on this planet quits serving God, I'm still going to follow you. I got a made up mind. I may never see the miraculous, but I'm not going to serve you based on that. I'm going to just wear the mantle of service. There's no promise of tomorrow, but there is a promise that God will be with me, and he'll go through the fire with me. So I'm going to just say, God, here I am. I'm going to keep on going to church. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on living. I'm going to keep on loving. I'm going to keep on worshiping. I'm going to wear the mantle of service. And in a time that you think that the second battle will fall. Would you stand to your feet today? Oh, I feel that fire of Pentecost here. Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Double portion. Maybe there's some folks here today that say, I need a double portion of his spirit. I don't want to just deal with what's ordinarily given out. I want more of you. You see, that first mantle was the spirit of life that he puts in each and every one of us when we're born. But the second mantle comes when the wind blows again. That's why the Lord told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. That's the second mantle. that new life gave you a human spirit breathed upon you the first time you were born that was the natural that was the first mantle but then here comes the second mantle the supernatural supernatural is when he breathes upon you one more time you begin to feel the anointing of God and it's undeniable
So now we put into action what we have heard today. How many of you will take up that first mantle and step out from where you're standing and get out in that aisle and walk to the front of this building and come down here to this altar and give him a sacrifice? That's it. I'm going to do my part, God. Because I know if I'll do my part, you'll do your part. That's awesome. Look around you. That's all people taking up the first mantle. That's it. That's it. Push down. My God, I feel it already falling. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Here I come, Lord. Whatever you got need of today, I make a commitment to you, Lord. I'm going to leave everything in this office. Yes, yes. That's it, that's it, church. I give everything to you, Lord. That's it, the first mantle is up to you. First mantle of service. You're the one that initiates that. Oh, that's it. The word has gone forth. The mantle has been cast. Who's going to pick it up? Sacrifice. I give you all of me. I commit everything to you, Lord. Every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, every question. I give it all to you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes.
want you just to let this marinate for just a moment. We're going to pray for that second mantle, but for right now, I don't feel like we can push past this. I don't want you to get in a hurry. Those of you that are here right now, there's a transformation that has to happen. This is not something you can just snap your fingers. It takes a commitment. It takes sacrifice. It takes you making up your mind. God, I'm going to put everything on this altar today. I'm not. Maybe you had thought about turning it in, turning back and giving up. But God has put a word in your heart today through his word that says, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Nothing's going to pull me out of your hand. I want us today as a church to just lift our hands and our voices. And I want you to make that commitment, everybody individually. Make that commitment. I'm going to serve you. If nobody in my family serves you, I'm going to serve you. Come on. There's some oxen that need to be slain right here, right now. Come on, there's some yokes that's got to be burned. I'm not looking over the fence. I'm not looking for another way. I have staked my claim. Come on now. I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. You're the ones that made a move to the altar, so you're the ones I'm going to try to lead. Let that commitment come from your innermost being. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, offer that sacrifice. Not my will, God, but thy will be done. My spirit, my attitude, my mindset. Let it all be under the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to live anymore in doubt and in fear. I'm not going to live anymore with questions, God. I'm putting it all on the altar today. I think we ought to have a mass repentance right now. Why don't you ask God to forgive you? Come on. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. God, forgive me of every sin. Cleanse my heart and my mind. Come on, Lord, forgive me of everything. Things that I know of, things I don't know of. Sins of the mind, sins of my hands. Everything, anything, God, I'm putting it on the altar. I'm putting it all in the fire right now in the name of Jesus. I've done everything I know to do, God. I'm giving it all to you. That's it. The first sacrifice was a sacrifice of commitment. The second sacrifice is the sacrifice of repentance. And the third sacrifice, which is what we're going into right now, is a sacrifice of worship. I'm not going to wait till I see the miracle. I'm going to go ahead and worship you now as a sacrifice. That's it. Lift your voice. Offer unto him a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. I thank you for the healing. I thank you for the miracle. That's it, use your voice. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not bailing out of Bethel. I'm not bailing out of Jericho. Where you lead, I will follow. Yes, 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 yes. Now lift up your hands right now. By the authority of the Word of God. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray that the fire of Pentecost would fall one more time upon your people. That's it, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Ghost. You've never received the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands right now. Begin to speak out whatever you feel. Bible says when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll begin to speak in other tongues. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. That's still the same thing that's happening right now. Lift your hands all over the building. Come on. Begin to speak out that heavenly language. Come on. It may sound like mumble jumble. Just go with it. It may sound like baby talk. Come on. That's the supernatural. Come on. That's the second mantle. Come on, that's that heavenly language. That's it, young people. There's a hunger. Come on, that's it. Let that second mantle fall. That's the unction of his spirit. You need a healing in your body. Lift your hands and say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. A supernatural healing. A second mantle healing. Come on, God, I need you to be a, I need you to do an obvious work. I want you to do a work that the doctors cannot deny, that family members cannot deny. I need a Jordan opening miracle right now in the name of Jesus. 
I feel like right now we need to pray for families that have unsaved loved ones, whether it's spouses or children or parents. If you've got somebody in your family you've been praying for, you've been doing it for a while, and you said, I need God to do a supernatural work, would you raise your hand? Look at all these hands, folks. My. I'm praying right now for a supernatural demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Come on, would you lift your other hand right now? Would you speak it through the voice of faith? I speak it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, my son's going to come home. My daughter's going to come back to you. My husband's going to be saved. Come on. Use your voice and speak it. I claim it in the name of Jesus. 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 I don't know what the matter will fall. I'm just asking for a double portion of your spirit to fall upon the Lord God. In the name of Jesus. You know, part of being saved, as we talked about today, is you do your part and God does his part. And the Bible says, makes it very clear in the New Testament what we must do to be saved. we got to repent of our sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Only God can give you the Holy Ghost. Man can't give you that. But you can be baptized in Jesus' name. You can repent of your sins. That's the first mantle. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name this morning, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. We have water. It's heated. It's, everything's ready to go. All you've got to do is come up on this platform and say, I'm ready to get baptized. I'm going to do my part, and I know God will do his part. We'll baptize you right here this morning. we got towels, robes, everything. You don't have to have anything. All you've got to do is have a willing heart. And we'll baptize you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe the Lord heard your prayers today? What we've talked about this morning does not end here. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Every day and in every way, offer that sacrifice and be faithful unto God and the second mantle will fall. If you believe that, would you lift your hands one more time and would you thank God for the miracle? Come on. I'm believing he has started the process today and I'm thanking God for it. Lord, I thank you in advance 
I thank you in advance for a double portion of your spirit. I thank you for the mighty hand of God that is upon us. I will go forth in victory and in praise and in thanksgiving. For you are a holy God. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him we are more than conquerors.